0: my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman, and we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready, and they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening! Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. Today, just Marissa and I, and we are going to be talking about the cons of being a digital nomad, kind of a controversial topic for somebody who's selling being a digital nomad. Would you think, Marissa?
1: I think so, but we like to share the honest truths here. I feel like on our podcast, we probably share a lot more of like the hardships of nomad life, but because we want to share what it's really like, and obviously to us, the joys of doing it and the benefits far outweigh all the cons, but the cons are, I mean, the cons are real. So let's talk about Cons them. are
0: real, but there's there's also, yeah, there's, there's also a lot of positive associated with cons. It's almost like digital nomadism gives you something and then when you lose it, <laughs> it turns into a con. You know, it's almost like you create your own cons when you're a digital nomad. And that can be that can be sad. It can be frustrating, but they are they are indeed real. So we put together a list today of a whole bunch of things that we've run into over the years. <laughs> so we're gonna yeah. this is not gonna be like a negative don't be a digital nomad podcast. No. That's, that's be not, a digital
1: nomad anyway.
0: <laughs> be a digital nomad anyways. That that's that's not what this is. This is us being honest, frank about what you're going to run into as a digital nomad. And we're also gonna talk about how we go about rectifying that and, and making it making it work for us so yeah without any further ado marissa lead me into the first con that comes to your mind of being right. a digital nomad. i'm
1: gonna share the first one because it's very relevant to me right now and i also wanted to say before i jump right in that all of these hardships of being a nomad give a lot of growth as well like I think it ends up making you a stronger better person a more capable person all of those things. So anyway, with that said, so Jeff's in Colombia right now living the sort of easy, comfortable life that he's used to. I am in Namibia and a country in Africa where I've just been on this really intense road trip. I didn't know where I was going about three days before I got here. I just decided where I'm going after. So my first con is is that it actually takes up a lot of kind of time and mental capacity to book flights, book Airbnbs, figure out where you're going, figure out the sort of logistics of travel sometimes. So if so, Jeff, how long are you in Columbia total at this time?
0: I've been here a month.
1: Okay. And you're, you're staying a couple of weeks longer, yeah?
0: <sighs> Who knows?
1: We don't know. You know, you know. We never know. You know how it
0: goes. I never book a return flight. <laughs>
1: Same, same. But where you are right now, like it's a little bit easier when you're going to a place that's comfortable, that's easy, that you've been before. You know the flight to book. You know where you want to stay. It still takes some time to get an Airbnb. But sometimes you're going to new destinations. It just takes a lot of time. You know, it might be two, three hours of your day trying to figure out a flight and a you know place to stay or longer to find the right accommodation where you could be doing work. You could be exercising you could be hanging out so one of the cons is that sometimes the logistical parts of nomad life takes up some time in your day so that's number one for me as
0: a side tangent
1: <clears throat> yes
0: if you've ever seen and if you ever get an opportunity to see marissa try to book a flight it is hilarious <laughs> i've never seen somebody's Why? finger shake on the purchase flight ticket so so strongly so so part of that is indeed <laughs> Digital nomadism, and a large part of that is indeed Marissa Menon. So let's just, let's just put that put that word. That goes. is
1: really funny and really fair. I have a fear of commitment. I'm like, what if I don't want to go on this day? I'm staying in a hotel right now. After I got back from this road trip, we just booked one, like just to get back here. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm, I just book a flight to Cape town leaving Tuesday next, you know, it's like maybe six days from now. And I can't even, I'm booking this hotel night by night. Every day, the front desk is like, Marissa, can you please book your hotel for tonight? I like fear of commitment. Never. Like, what if I want to go somewhere else? I don't know. They're like, why are you doing this? I just keep booking it night by night. But yeah, to be fair, that is partly me, but it's part of nomad life too. It does take some time to yeah. to figure out your Airbnbs and make choices and all of that. But what's... What's your uh, what's next in your list, Jeff? Well,
0: I'll, I'll briefly comment on that, and then I'm going to take one. We'll just go one in one in order. So, uh, on that note, you mentioned that I'm in Colombia. Hundred percent right. So it really depends on this. We'll call this first issue time, mental capacity for accommodations for booking. Right? If you're going to Colombia, it's as easy as it gets. There's a lot of Airbnbs available. There's a small area to pick from. Um, Everything's going to be available via Rappi, which is a delivery service. So you, you really have no decisions to make other than picking the nicest looking Airbnb. <clears throat> so we're at opposite ends of the spectrum, like where I am actually in a place that's easier than my home in the States to do anything Marissa's on the opposite end of the spectrum. And similar to that, we both did uh, Bolivia. We could probably put that in the same bucket unless it's already set up for you. Good luck. Like you're using a lot of mental energy to try to yeah. try to navigate the, the terrain. Cool. Let's jump into the next one. So this one, I've spent a lot of time on taking the time to get mm-hmm. into a healthy routine. And a healthy routine means a lot of things like obviously physical health, finding a gym, like nutritional health, finding good restaurants, finding groceries, grocery stores, food you want to eat. Honestly, that is a very difficult thing because imagine this: you land in a new place and you can't just go on Google Maps and Google Safeway or Costco. They don't exist. Right. And also, if they do, if something does exist, where does it exist? Right. So you have to go on Google Maps and you have to find out where is the best place to get the kind of food that you want. How do I get to this place? Do I have a refrigerator back at my Airbnb? Do I have all the cooking utensils? Right, all of these things are food considerations that can be a bit stressful. And again, we're getting back to what Marissa said before: this is time and mental capacity that's being used just on your basic survival needs, yeah. right? So that that yeah. is a zero sum thing. You're pulling from one area and you're putting into another area that you usually take for granted. So that does take up some some hard. Did you have something on that, Marissa?
1: Yeah, it's a good way. I like that you say you put it as you take it for granted when you're back home that you just get in your car or walk nearby, you have your local grocery store, you know, where the food you want is in the grocery store. It's just very minimal decision making. And you only have, you know, X amount of decisions you can make in a day. So figuring all this out when you get there. And as an example, when I went to, when I was in Mauritius last month, we went, I went to the you know closest grocery store nearby that looked good on Google Maps. And I got there and it wasn't, you know, it had a lot of the basics, but didn't have everything I need. And a couple of days later, a friend who was there said, you know, check out this one. It's eight minutes farther, but they have everything you could want. And even getting there probably took, you know, two hours to shop because it's so big and I'm trying to find where everything is and I don't know what I want or what they have or what the local stuff is. So... It does take time. And then on the flip side, where I am in Namibia right now, I am in a hotel room because I didn't know how long I wanted to stay. And there's nothing nearby in walking distance. There's a restaurant downstairs. But I just ate like a PB&J, which I haven't done in years Mm. because I had stuff left over from a road trip. And I had a call right now and I was hungry. Thank you. Oh, it was I on a tortilla. It. I've never done that. So sometimes you get a little a little desperate. <laughs> Jeff's face is like, "What? You do what you got to do as a nomad, guys." I
0: appreciate the grind.
1: Thank you, thank you. So that being said, like I would have loved a nice salad, some fruit, you know, something healthy. But again, as a nomad, you do sacrifice some things, and you know, I try to be as healthy as I can. But when you land on the ground, it does take time to find the food, the restaurants, like those healthy those healthy habits. But, you know, on the flip side here in the hotel, there's an amazing gym. So I've got that, you know, that was easy this time. But sometimes it's really hard to find the gym you want and all of that. So yeah, yeah. That's where I'm at.
0: So some solutions on that. And I've written on this yeah. before in the past, you can find this on our website, this hardships of, of traveling is in terms of health, eating is you just kind of have if you haven't been there before, you just have to figure it out when you land there. There's You can do a little research beforehand, but it's a little bit difficult. You don't know exactly where things are. You don't know exactly how the taxis slash Uber. That one's a little bit figure as you go. But do it when you first land and do some shopping immediately. That's my advice. Get the first day or maybe the beginning of the second day. Go to try to find a supermarket and load up like three, four days worth of food just so you have something at home. And you can get right back into work. Second thing, health, uh, physical health, right? My suggestion for people on this is to pick up some sort, some sort of healthy outlet that you can do without needing to find a gym, right? If just if you'd like to lift weights, sure, great, but it might take you a while to find a gym. At least bring a yoga mat with you and do a little bit of yoga where you don't need a lot of space. You're not going to make a lot of noise and, and disrupt people, and you don't need a gym. So yoga is great, like hit routines, hit workouts where you can just do it in your home. Also really great. And if you get lucky, you might even find a place to run. Right. So it's really, really important. Don't let it's very easy to let those things slip. And all of a sudden, oh, two weeks have gone by and I haven't done anything. And then soon your mental state follows your physical state and you're you're in yeah. bad shape. So this yeah. is totally doable. But just remember, like the most sustainable option is what you want to shoot for. The most sustainable thing is something that you can do right in your home knock out 20 minutes a day. You're better off doing 20 minutes a day than two times a week, an hour and a half. Just do 20 minutes a day, bite-sized chunks. Yeah. Cool. Marissa, next one. What's on your mind?
1: All right. This one I might want to do quick. Sometimes I feel this and sometimes I don't. But one of the cons is that sometimes it's hard to feel grounded. With so A lot of people ask like, how do you make a decision of where you're going to go next when you can go anywhere in the world? So as amazing as that choice is, like I could go to any country tomorrow, sometimes if you feel like you're kind of like floating in outer space where you have all the options in the world and you can feel a little lost or you might get to a new place and not know anyone yet and just be wondering where your where are your people, where are your community, where's this awesome friends and family and routine you just had and you got to this new place and you wonder what what you're doing with your life. Typically, again, I think it makes you a stronger person, you become resilient, you learn how to deal with it, you learn that you could build a new routine and friends and a network and excitement everywhere. But it is just one of those things in those transitory moments, especially where you're wondering where to go, what to do next, it can, it can just feel a little weird sometimes. But again, I, I think it's, all worth it but what are your what are, i feel like you don't feel as much as i feel that sometimes jeff
0: i feel it when i start if i get sick <laughs> if i get mm-hmm. like and it's probably somewhere on our list but like, all the time for you <laughs> i get like I i'll, I'll catch some stomach bug or something and then i'll be like god damn it i wish i were home right now and i've and all of a sudden i feel like i don't have access to the things that i need so it's less of a, of a mental thing i don't generally get homesick aside from yeah a couple things. I'll miss my dog, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, I'll miss my craft yep. beer, which we ought to talk about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was not on my list. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and occasionally, I'll you know I'll miss good sushi and 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 some friends and stuff. But generally, like when I am in a place, I'm there, and I don't feel like I'm missing. Missing something else for the most part, so yeah, and to a certain extent, I will feel that, and i'm and I think it's a little unusual that I don't feel it more. I think more people will encounter this, especially as you first start traveling,
1: yeah, I don't get homesick per se, but sometimes it's actually weird we'll we'll talk about some of the pets i I had a cat, Jeff has a dog, my cat recently passed away, and my cat was always kind of my grounding to come back home and this is the first time I haven't had that while I've been traveling, and I just feel like I could be floating anywhere. And it's it's like a strange thing to just keep going forever and ever and not not have to go home. And just wondering, like, where am I going next? What am I doing? It's, it's sort mm-hmm. of new for me. But anyway, I, I love the freedom. And I think it's all worth it. And I think it's exciting all the same. But just something to be mindful of. It's not I don't think you and I feel that as much as some people do. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it's definitely a possibility. You just feel untethered and kind of floating off and you don't have you don't have your structure that can kind of go away. I've, I've felt touches of that before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It exists. All right. What's next on the list,
0: Jeff? Next one, far from family and friends. This one is half applies to me. All right. So <laughs> most of most of my friends, I'm from a very small town in Northern California. Most of my friends have either left or they've started families and done the whole You know, kudos to them. They've done the whole two and a half kids, three dogs, white picket fence thing. And and we, or is it, maybe it's opposite. I don't know what it is. I don't care. It's never going to be me. (laughs) They're, they're doing their thing and we've, we've gone on completely different paths. So I, I just have a few friends back at home and a few scattered throughout the States, but the majority of the friends that I have now are also traveling. So I'll see them for a few months and then they'll, they'll pop off and go do something else in Eastern Europe or or South America or something like that. So I manage pretty well. However, the the family part is very, very important to me. We all live very close within a few minutes of each other. Grandmother, father in a different house, and then mother and step, stepdad, just a block away. And we do things all together all the time. I'll cook on Wednesdays and everybody comes over, we drink and cook, and we have a good time. And that I do definitely miss, you know, it's, it's, That's again, that kind of ties back to the previous point in grounding, having your family around you, having your friends around you reminds you of who you are and what you're doing. And it kind of gives you that calm center centering that you're looking for. So that's that's a little bit tough. However, I will say that it's just my solution is it's just kind of part of it. And you realize that you kind of need both. Once you start doing this, you realize that you need to have your family, but you also need to travel and you're able to reconcile those two things in your head. And while you're traveling, generally, you're surrounded by super, we're going to talk about the super interesting people that can kind of fill that gap for a little while. They'll never fill the gap of your family, but you've got so much stimulus that you're feeling, you're still feeling fulfilled. And it makes it even more special when you get home. Now, what do you think, Marissa?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I actually have I feel like I spend more time with my family since I became a nomad, which is a little That's strange. So yeah, I mean it totally depends on what your life was like before you do it. So in after college for me, my family's in Atlanta. I lived in New York and then California. So I would only see my parents and my brother and my sister in law on a couple of weekends or occasions or holidays, you know, here and there. And now when I, you know, when I stop traveling, I might go home and live with my parents for three weeks or you know two three weeks or something or you know I, when I had my place back home I might stay for a month or two here and there and I was really close by to all my family so I would see them all the time and so I honestly felt like I see them more since I've been traveling that being said now I might be gone a little longer since I'm not home for my cat as much. Uh, So I see them less, but it's still the same. I think with technology, being able to text, to voice note, to FaceTime, like I could be in New York to Atlanta, even though I'm in Namibia right now, Mm. it's, it's not really that different, but if you're used to living, you know, two blocks away from your family and seeing them all the time, I think you put it well, just saying it, it's still worth it to travel. Like if you value travel, I have a lot of coaching clients who really struggle with this to say, you know, I'm close to my parents, I'm afraid to leave them, or maybe your parents are getting older. And I have that fear sometimes too. I'm like, I, you know, my parents are, everyone's getting older. I want to spend time with them. It's scary to think one day they might not be there. And I've just mm-hmm. been off in the world. The travel is so important in my life that it's, you know, I, I try to find a balance, but it's just kind of the reality that you, you will be away, you will miss some things and mm-hmm. you're not always by their side the way you might be before.
0: But it does make it all that more impactful when you actually are there. Would you agree like your time is is so much more concentrated, at least mine is when I'm home. I spend like really good quality time because I don't take it for granted anymore. You know, I I could just go and and go to my mom's house and eat dinner and like socialize halfway and then go home. But uh, knowing that I'm going to be leaving soon, I'm really using that time. It's like you've got this beginner's mentality where you're just seeing it for the first time (laughs) and you know it's going to end. And when you've got an expiration date, things are always much more impactful to me, at least.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I like that. And especially with my my niece and nephew, I miss a lot when I'm gone because they're young and they can't, you know, they FaceTime, but they don't really understand. And so... When I'm home, I want to spend as much time as possible. Whereas if I was there, you know, a full year, I might be like, oh, I'll see them next week. I'll see them the Mm -hmm. week after. So when you're home, you really make the most of it. Next, do you have something else, Jeff? No, no, I was going to say that's a
0: really good segue into how many things are you missing while you're traveling? What What kind of events do you miss?
1: Yeah. So the next one on our list to that is beyond just the everyday occasions, it's missing the big special occasions when you're traveling. So I will go home. You know, sometimes I do go home for weddings. I have a cousin's wedding in July that like I'm planning my schedule and my travel rounds and I'll go home. But there's other weddings that I, I do just miss or my best friend just had a baby about two weeks ago and I probably won't see that baby for, you know, several months until I'm back. And so you kind of have to pick and choose. You can, you know. There's. I wish I could just pop back for everything, but you really do miss out on. I miss several weddings, several baby showers, several engagement. You no. know, whatever it is. Do you feel the same?
0: No, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm missing. Well, it's it's the for the same reason that I just talked about. I generally don't have uh, a whole lot of people in town that I know anymore. Right, like most people have moved yeah. away. So, if there is something that's gonna happen, it's gonna happen remote anyways, it's gonna happen wherever they are in the world, which completely makes the traveling part on my end a moot point right so it's it's really kind of a non factor, but I'm unique in that in that instance. I'm from a small town, like I said, yeah. I don't know a lot of people <laughs> anymore Most of my people travel, so there's not that's a good problem, yeah, and my family's very small, so like there's right. there's one wedding. And I went to it and there's possibly another wedding some point in the future. Who knows when I don't have cousins. I don't have like, so I'm, I'm not missing, I'm not missing big stuff. And, and we're, we're not big on having a bunch of babies. So there's no babies getting born. And so I'm not missing the big wedding showers or anything. So for me, yeah. I'm not, I'm generally not missing a whole lot of stuff. I'm missing like some nice dinners, maybe some birthdays and things like that. But for me, not not too much of an issue.
1: Yeah. And again, it's fun to compare our two because everybody has different different pros and cons of all of it. But the next one, this one was big for me, is still big for you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to let you start with it. Is It's hard to have pets as a nomad. So whether you previously or currently have a pet and want to start traveling or... You're a nomad who wishes you could have a pet and don't get one. They're kind of equal cons. But pets are just generally a really hard part that is not as much part of nomad life. So I'm going to let you kick it off, Jeff. What's hard about currently having a pet and being a nomad?
0: Everything is hard (laughs) about having a pet and being (laughs) a nomad. It's, It's incredibly difficult. And let me talk about this from two perspectives. One, from the people that currently have pets and want to become a digital nomad and two people that are digital nomad and think that they want to have pets. So I currently have a pet. I had a pet before I become a digital nomad. And my solution was when I wanted to travel, bring her to my mom's house. That did not last very long. Mom, mom's like the dog started fighting at the fence. It was just way too much work. So fortunately I worked out a system where I pay additional rent to my brother who I live with and his girlfriend and, my dog is basically part of the family with them and they'll watch my dog when I travel and it all works well. The dog doesn't have to leave the house. I don't have to board or anything like that. I am realizing that I am very, very lucky that I've covered that. Like, cause there's two main things that you have to worry about. The first one is logistics. Who's going to take care of your pet, especially if you've got a dog who are so needy, right? They need so much attention. And the second part is the emotional toll that it takes on you. How do you go about like traveling while missing your pet. So for me, I've worked out a situation that is very, very unique. However, there's uh, there's other things that you can do, right? You can do trusted house sitters and trusted house sitters is where people come to your house and they will live in your residence rent free in exchange for watching your pet. Really, really good service. I know a couple that have been traveling around the entire world doing nothing but that. And they're all vetted people. They do a pretty good job taking care of your pet recommend it on my end. You can bring them to a parent's house. You can, like I do. If you've got a sibling that'll watch them, you can also do that. Last thing, I actually was traveling with somebody recently and she brought her cat with her. She's been traveling with her cat. First time I've seen that, Marissa. It was not easy. The cat escaped. Finca was out chasing rats around and we had to go and like arrange a search party. Wouldn't recommend it, I'd recommend the first two on the list above that. And yeah, what else? I'd say like the, the hardest part beyond the, the logistics of it would be the emotional toll it takes on you. Like you miss your pet and you get guilt. Marissa, you can talk about that too. Like the guilt yeah. associated with yeah. signing up for having a pet and then leaving it to go travel weighs very heavily on you.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna go too much because I feel like you and I could spend a whole entire episode on this, and maybe we should at some point. But yeah, just just the yeah the guilt for me, like the heartache of leaving. You know, I go home for two months and then leave for months, and just like the heartache of of like having, you're your pet's person and leaving that was really, really hard. So I'm going to leave it at that for now. And then again, just, yeah, if you want a pet, if you were like the person who loves having a dog or a cat and you want to travel, it's maybe not the best solution, but there's tons of animals all over the world you get to interact with along the way. And I know for Jeff and I, as much as we absolutely wholeheartedly love our pets, travel was, and the experiences are really worth it. And we found solutions to, have a good place for them and feel good as well. But yeah, it's it's definitely a trade-off with all of it. All right, next one is on our list. You don't always have reliable internet. So this is, I feel like- Very timely today. Family friends, I know. Jeff's internet keeps going out. If his podcast sounds weird, we're like, sometimes I can't even hear what he's saying. Shockingly in Namibia, I'm having great Wi-Fi right now. But yeah, just one of those things with with working, you just never know where you're going to be, what you're- Exact Airbnb, the hotel, you know, we we'll, we've done podcast episodes and we'll share some more on the best ways to make sure you have backups and you know do your research ahead of time. But when you're home and have a stable home and you need to work, you just kind of know your setup, you know your Wi-Fi is gonna work. And it's just one of those things with travel, you just never quite know what you'll get.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I don't I don't want to go into this in too much detail because we've had an entire podcast on this. I've written an entire landing page on this. We've got all the resources that you could possibly need to talk about internet, but just, just know, it's one of those things that you take for granted at home. You always know exactly how good or how bad the internet's going to be on any given day. When you're traveling, you don't know. I mean, it could be 200 down 200 up, or it could be all of a sudden down to nothing and your calls are, your calls are dropping. So like I've talked about in the past, I make it very, very brief. Have your backup plans, always ready. Have your MiFi device, be able to, tether to your phone if you need to and always find any co-working space around as a backup to your backup. We'll leave it at that. Okay, so next one, <laughs> really really good segue and I haven't done a whole lot of this so Marissa this would be a good one to kick to you. With working with your phone number wherever you go and getting local SIM data for your phone. I've actually seen you do it. And I didn't understand exactly what was <laughs> happening. explain to me how it works when you land somewhere and all of a sudden your data doesn't work
1: yeah so this is just one of those added difficulties of travel if you just live in one place you get used to having your phone work wherever you are and people being able to call or text or what have you When you travel, unless you want to pay astronomical roaming fees in any country you go to, it can be tricky. And I think a lot of nomads, even very established nomads like you, like me, all of our friends, you know, we have a whole Slack channel. People are still asking about this is what do you do of how do you have your reliable same phone number that you've had since you were a teenager, probably? And how do you get, you know, cell service on that phone right when you land somewhere So again, not going to go into the full details of it today. There's Google Fi, which I actually just got my 30-day notice. They're kicking me off of it because I've been roaming too much. I know. Uh, So I'm going to figure this all out again. T-Mobile's
0: threatening me all the time as well.
1: Yeah, that's a whole other thing of how to actually deal with it. But it's just one of those cons. There are ways you get local SIM cards. You learn how to do it. Sometimes I travel with two phones. I always travel with two phones, but I'll keep my SIM card for my US number in one phone and just leave it plugged in on Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi because... You can always get your texts and calls and then I'll get a local SIM card for the other one. Lots of workarounds. But again, just like one of the cons is it's just like the mental capacity of figuring out what to do when you get to a new country. So on to the next one, this is a big one for me. I'm going to let you start with it, Jeff. The next one on the list is just not having all the choices of your, your what I'll call creature comforts, the, you know, the, all the choices of clothes that you want that don't fit in one. I travel with a carry on only or in a backpack or, you know, Jeff's special coffee maker whatever you you know have at home (laughs) i don't know diego travels with his like personal coffee talk about this one for you this is i know what is the con here for you
0: this this one is it's actually going to surprise you it's it's one of the easiest ones that i'm going to have to answer and the reason why is because if you just step into my shoes for a second and watch me come home you'll see that i've got a backpack or a suitcase if i'm going a little bit longer and everything in my suitcase goes straight into an empty wardrobe. So I, the only things that I own are the things that I travel with. I have very, very few things. Like very, very minimalist. So I don't miss anything because there's nothing left at home, which makes it pretty easy for me. And it's surprising for some people because they'll see my entire wardrobe after six days. And I'll just restart it at the beginning. <laughs> so there's, there's, not a whole, there's not a whole lot of stuff that I'm missing other than like certain places I like to go, but there's, there's no like physical things that I generally leave at home. It's, it's kind of simple as that. I've just limited all my choices.
1: You're a little bit abnormal there. I mean, I think all nomads become more minimalistic, but (laughs) for me, Oh my gosh, the things that, the the things that I miss the most, which is like, sounds silly, but is like a bulky sweatshirt and sweatpants that it just takes up so much space Mm -hmm. and travel stuff like I love the big comfy whatever so it's like things like that where I try to pack lighter or as a girl like you need it's just nice to have more options or more you know more outfit choices or I'm pretty simple but really I just miss choices or you know you you wish you had one specific you know address for a certain outing that's just not worth bringing for once every four months or different pairs of shoes or you know right now i've i'm trying to get my this guy is actually texting me to try to drop my laundry off right now so i'll get to that another time but like i run out of clothes to laundry at the moment. laundry things Ooh, like that so it, we it's should put laundry on like the list <laughs> Yeah, we'll add a quick one. Laundry can be a pain when you're gone if you don't have it in your Airbnb. But there's little, you know, just little things. Some people love certain foods or certain, again, everyone, I'm not a coffee drinker, but people have their coffee maker or their weird vitamins or just things that you can't always have. You really have to pare down and have your choices. So anyway, worth it, totally worth it. But it's it's just factual things. You just kind of don't always have all the things you want and that's okay.
0: Some people will dedicate that coffee thing is that's a real thing some people dedicate serious real estate and their luggage to getting their coffee stuff I went with this one guy I don't know if Diego's as bad yet but he traveled with a scale like a heavy bulky scale and uh, a hand grinder does Diego have one of those too Diego has a hand grinder yes know. yes <laughs> Oh, yeah okay he's 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 graduated to the next level of of uh, snobbery and then and then the French press of course but this was like eight hundred dollars worth of fancy equipment that took up like a quarter of his entire suitcase. Yeah. But people will yeah, for their creature comforts, some people will just like risk it all and like leave their swimsuits at home, leave their pair of boots at home, just so they can have a little bit of yeah, a little bit of space for their coffee and you and
1: stuff make like choices. So we
0: Yeah, we've we've seen it all. Okay, cool. Let's jump into the next topic. So this one is great. When we're when you're traveling, I've made the most amazing friends of my life and the most long-lasting friends certain to be of my life. You will too. I guarantee it. If you haven't already, you will too. The problem that comes with that is you get attached to people. We have a unless you're a sociopath, you kind of have a knack for wanting to be around people more often. And then when people disperse, you don't you may not know when you're gonna see each other again. Could be months. Could be years you know, since, like we had a really good great group together in Costa Rica two years ago. Haven't seen half of them since, and you know, you leave there thinking, "Oh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks," because you just feel like they're family, and you're, and you're, it wouldn't make sense to not see them soon. But that's not the reality. The Reality is you kind of go your own way. You see your friends down the road. You make new friends and that kind of thing, and it could be a little little tough on your heart. So, I don't know how do you how do you navigate that, Marissa.
1: Yeah. You just kind of accept it. Like you and I didn't see each other for (laughs) over two years. Part of that was due to COVID a little bit, but you know, there's people that you meet that you want to spend time with and you can still chat on WhatsApp and send voice notes and video calls, but it's not the same as being in person. And so for me, I guess I've just kind of accepted that you're going to make the most amazing friends and you know, you might stay in touch, but you literally might not see someone. You know, I'm going to Cape Town from here, and I have a friend who I'm seeing, who I actually interviewed on the podcast, Murray, who I haven't seen, in, I think since in over three years, and like still considered to be like one of my really, really, really great friends. Mm. And I'm so excited. But you know, we stayed in touch this whole time. But you just, yeah, it's just kind of accepting the fact that you meet great people and and go your separate ways. You really do see people again. It just might not be as often as you want. And then you find those people that you do end up traveling over and over and over with. And it's just kind of accepting, accepting that that's part of travel life, I suppose.
0: Same thing. And as, as callous as this sounds, as you drop off a friend that goes to do something else on an adventure for a year, you're going to get another friend at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. That is true. you're, You're just, you're going to you're going to gain friends, you but you're still going to stay. You stayed in contact with Murray the last three years. Right. So that yeah. friendship didn't go didn't go anywhere. And right. like even I, we, you and I didn't see each other for two years, but we still chatted regularly. Right. So it's like you're, you may not be traveling together, but you still have those connections. It's up to you to to make sure that you you know keep those connections strong and and still have phone calls rather than just an occasional text but it's it's doable and again it does not offset the value of like having made those friends in the first place
1: yeah there's a quote i'm going to get real cheesy for a second it's like people come into your lifetime for a re- or come into your life for a reason a season or a lifetime right so some of those people you might have the most amazing friend for one month and it's like you yeah. have this Amazing reason, and then you might never see them again, and it's still worth it, right? Like those connections are absolutely still worth it for however long they last. And I'm learning that with friendships; they, you know, they might last years, a week, a month, ten years, your whole life, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. However long they last, okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Next one. This one can be really fun or hard, but romantic relationships. We can't get to you to start, Jeff. A lot of people complain about Mm. being able to find romantic relationships or have them when you're on the go so far. I haven't found that personally. And I feel like I found amazing people who will travel with me or are also nomads. But curious on like, a lot of people say that is a con. What are your thoughts on it?
0: It can be a pro and a con. I think it kind of depends on what you're looking for. So I, I think it's... Important for people to understand while you're traveling and, and just the nature of a digital nomad lifestyle is a lot of things are a little bit transient, like the places that you're staying. Everything we talked about so far, the places that you're staying, it's transient. It's going to be somewhere a week or just a couple months. The friends that you make, like I said, you're going to keep those contacts, but it's very likely that they're going to move on to a different part of the world or you're going to start a new chapter. Of their life and you may come back together again down the road and it can be very true of romantic relationships too and it can go that way it could be just kind of a like a passive transient kind of thing which is it can be very very enjoyable but at the same time it can also go the other way and you could end up oh, we've met people that actually became partners and traveled together and they just all of a sudden instead of going separate ways they went the same way So, and that mm-hmm. can very much happen too. So either one of those two outcomes can happen. The only difference from being at home is that there is an expiration date to where you're staying, right? So it it adds like an expedited element to what could possibly happen and what could possibly happen is going to depend on you and your partner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with all of that. And I think we should, we'll do a whole episode. I'm sure at some point kind of talking about this, but I think a lot of people incorrectly assume that like, because I'm a nomad and because I'm moving all the time, I can never find like a partner or if I do meet someone I'm leaving, but I think as a nomad, you have the freedom to be anywhere. You can stay in one place. If you find someone you like, that person maybe can travel with you or the choice Mm -hmm. is really yours. And I think travel relationships can be so fun and so epic on so many levels that don't exist in like, states or just in one place and there's lots of couples who meet traveling and get married mm-hmm. and and all the things so anyway it can be a con but i think it can also be
0: really fun we next one also on get list. some of our friends to we could get some of our friends to talk about tinder and bumble too yes we've got some experts some... <laughs> we've got some experts in the category i love have, for an entertaining
1: so true that would be a fun episode we have you know how like an iphone you have your little categories of like electronics like banking whatever travel and we have friends mm-hmm. who will say, like in their travel folder, it's like Tinder, Bumble, like it's part of their travel experience. And I think that's awesome. But yeah, we should yeah. do that. It'd be a really funny episode because oh gosh, we have <laughs> funniest stories from from all of our friends for sure. All right. Yeah. Next on the on the list, Jeff, is sometimes it can be hard to get work done or have a routine or all the things when you you're just in new exciting places all the time, wanting to see everything. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Especially for for here, for Columbia. I mean, I've been here so many times that I'm not like popping all over the place, checking out new stuff just because I'm I'm used to it. I know that I know the terrain. However, if you go to a new place, you're going to want to do that. And I think the important thing to do is to make sure you continue to prioritize the same thing if you're thinking about like your health, mental health, physical health. Continue to prioritize your work health, your work hygiene. And then in your spare time, as it allows during the week, you can go out during night as long as it doesn't interfere and you're not drinking too much, not eating, overeating and things like that, overspending, which you can easily do. Just live within your means during the week. And then I would say, use your weekends, you know, use your weekends to explore the the place as much as possible yeah that's generally worked for me for the most part just kind of moderate on the weeks make sure that my my work hours are my work hours those are set and those are unusable aside from a coffee or a lunch or something like that but i'm really really church and state you know you got to keep your work time your work time and that's what's worked the best for me what about you
1: yeah, my work hours a little bit more flexible. So it can be trickier for me just to make those choices. But I would say just overall, like, it, it's nice to go back to a place like Columbia, like you're saying, or a place that you've already been or is comfortable because you don't feel like you have to do every touristy thing and see all the things and try every restaurant and you only have a limited time. So even if even if you're going on the big weekend adventures, it might be during the week of trying to get to new restaurants or do this activity or you know, just do all the things while you're in a place and it can be hard to balance, get it, you know, spending as many hours as I'd like to work. Or um, I'm going to pull our, our last one into this one, Jeff, of just kind of so much stimulation of, of, of being mm-hmm. in a new place when you want to get, I don't know, just get work done or not even work, but just your, your health, your routines, your workouts. Um, it can be a lot. But again, to me, the trade-off is you get to do that. Like you're in these new places doing amazing Uh things that you would never get to do at home. So it just, again, it takes up a lot of brain capacity for your life and it can be exhausting if you don't. I think that's what, you know, why we recommend slowing down, stay in a place for a month, two months, go back to a place. These are all new things for me, but in general, it's just one of those cons to be aware of that while you get to Mm -hmm. see and do so many new things it can be really exhausting and take up a lot of you know if you think about being back home we we joke that you know your weekends might be spent on the couch watching netflix but sometimes you kind of need that and for me it's it's Mm -hmm. hard to justify spending a whole day in bed watching netflix when there's like a safari outside my window right now that i should go and explore so it's again the pros and the cons
0: yeah Yeah, exactly. And then the last thing we've got on the list, kind of like almost the same thing, mentally it's tiring to switch locations all the time, right? So you know about this probably better than anybody I know because you're a fast traveler or at least you were a fast traveler. You may be reconsidering life at this point. But for me, I've always slow traveled, one or two months in a place because it gets mentally tiring switching locations so often. I just know that I can't do that unless... I'm on vacation. I have to be on vacation. If I'm moving more than one place in one, I can't be working because I will get rocked out of my routine. A hundred percent. You've managed to make it work pretty well. Explain how you made it work and how it can be a hardship for you.
1: Yeah, it can be really hard for me to get as much work done as I want, or schedule calls ahead of time. Sometimes I don't know what time zone or what country I'm going to be in, or what activities I'm going (laughs) to be doing next week. I'm I'm literally dealing with that right now. I'm trying to schedule client calls, and I literally until yesterday when I booked a flight, I was like, I don't know what country I'm going to be in next week. I don't know what time zone it's going to be. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. So it's not easy, but I just do it. And the way I kind of balance it is, I'll go 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 and switch countries, go on fast travel, do some trips, and then I'll slow down for a while to catch up and and kind of get back into that rest and routine and fill my tank again, and then I'll go, go, go. Uh, mm-hmm. But I definitely am looking at slower travel more than I ever have before I, and going back to the same places. So after Cape Town, I mean, who knows where I'll actually end up, but I'm thinking about going back to Bali for two and a half or three months, which I used to never go back to the same place, and I used to never stay that long ever purposefully. So I'm kind of coming to my edge of wanting to slow down and chill a little more, but really it's just, you know, it's up to you how much you want to push yourself and how much you feel like you can handle, but it's harder. Like what I do is not easy for sure.
0: Yeah. I I couldn't do it and I can't do it. So I don't, (laughs) you'll figure it out on your own. You'll figure it out on your own. Like you'll, you'll have your own travel style and you'll know you know it works for you, but it's just a matter of getting out there and doing yeah. it and going to it a few different places. So that brings us to the end of the list. Is there anything else that came up for you as we're going through this, Marissa? Or does that pretty much cover all the cons?
1: I feel like we nailed, we nailed the cons. I feel like we shared a lot of them. And as Jeff said at the beginning, this is not to scare you away. This is not to overwhelm you. This is so that you go into nomad life with eyes wide open. And learn, and a lot of it is just mm-hmm. trial by error. But I think our message to you, hearing all of these cons and the truths and the hardships, which you don't always see on Instagram or, you know, this isn't what people are sharing on social media, is that it is so fucking worth it. You know, I just can't say enough. Like Jeff is looking at me because I'm cussing. Is that Marissa what those eyes were swears. for? I do. You and Diego always say that. I really do. She, uh, she never swears. I do. That's a lie. Regardless, whatever it is, nomad life and the experiences you have traveling, pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, meeting amazing friends, people, just all all of it to me is so 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 so. they can't give enough. So so worth it that overcome all of those cons, but there are obstacles to overcome, and it, it takes a resilient person to to push yourself and do it. But it, it's so worth it. So, what are your mm-hmm. last thoughts or words of wisdom, Jeff?
0: Yeah, most of these cons are like travel created by some sort of positive. Basically, a positive creates some sort of trade. There's always a trade-off with everything. And basically, these are just trade-offs. There's a positive aspect to every one of these cons that we have. And like I said, we're still traveling. I mean, (laughs) there's a reason why, because these are all surmountable problems. And if you have any questions about any of these particular ones that we've gone through, we've gone through every one of them. Shoot us a note. Hello at beachcommute.com. And I think that's about it for us today. Thanks for everybody. Thanks everybody for joining us at the Digital Nomad Experts Podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. Find us at www.beachcommute.com and we'll see you next time.
1: All right, that is a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd love to travel the world while working remotely and making an income, check out beachcommute.com slash 91. It's a document where we share 91 actual job titles from real digital nomads in our community so you can get some inspiration and see what remote jobs might be out there for you as well. We can't wait for you to start traveling the world too. And we'll see you in our episode next week. Have a great day.